that you're going to come out of this place into a new location and that God is going to give to you just the way the Egyptians gave to the Israelites. Pressed down, all packed together, running over till you can't hold it. You're going to go out of this place and have great memories of this place. But what God's going to do in a new place is beyond even your fondest imagination right now. But I just felt like that I needed to confirm that you're going out of this place. And when you go out, you're taking your bread with you. And you're also going to take a lot with you that somehow God has supernaturally provided through people who are not even believers. They're going to give unto you until you're running over. So uh, just get your mind prepared and get your mind set. You're, you're going out of this place. And God, I don't, don't, I'm not that close to what's happening, but I just know. I, I looked at these walls. And I just heard, and this is what quickened me as I was looking at the walls of this building here. This is not where this people belong. Just what I heard. This is not where this people belong. And I don't know why, but I just looked at those walls and they make me want to just cry. And, oh, muckledy green with dirty looking seams. And this is just not where this people of God belong. God has a new land for you. He's got a new place in mind. It's going to be full of life, and it's going to be fit for your worship. It's going to be arranged just right for ev for everything, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy a freedom there like never before. I want I want to talk to you just for a moment about something else. I just wanted to to confirm that. Talk to you about a burden that's on my heart for just a moment. I read a book several years back called The New Reformation. And really, the title of the book should have had a question mark after it, The New Reformation. And it was basically, if I were to capsule it, I would say that he was talking about the Reformation that began with Martin Luther. He was saying that Reformation, that New Reformation, never was finished, never was completed. And that one of the issues that he had was the priesthood of the believer being restored to the people and we always hear of one aspect of the priesthood of the believer that that he was crusading against having a priest between us and and God a human priest that Jesus Christ is our high priest so we are priests and we don't need a humanly priesthood between us in the, in that sense interceding for us and mediating I'm not interceding, but mediating for our sins. We don't have to have that. But that wasn't all that Martin Luther was talking about. When you're talking about the priesthood of the believer, you're talking about accepting the responsibility for the ministry of, of the Lord. We're, we're, talking about, we're talking about not having a laity and a priesthood. We're not talking. We're talking about not having a division between the people that's called pastors and other people in the congregation. That we're all one people, the people of God. But in order to do that, the people of God have got to begin to see themselves as priests. 
any time that only one person can baptize. Any time only one person can dedicate babies. Any time only one person can speak during a church meeting. You still have a priesthood. And most people want that because they feel, they feel safe. I can come and I can sit. I can listen. And I don't have to believe that I'm spiritual and don't have to stretch in spiritual things. But let me tell you something. Reformation is not over with. And Reformation is not going to be over with until every person is doing the work of the ministry. And God right now is moving in, grassroot, in a grassroots way in the church. He's wiping out distinctions between people. He's making us all one, the people of God. And the passage that I want to share with you, if you don't mind me getting my glasses on just for a moment, I know these comments about being older and all of that stuff. I can see perfectly well. For a little ways. By the way, you know what? I think that there's a lot of people our age who has arthritis of the spirit. And I think you're a couple that you don't have arthritis of the spirit. You know what arthritis of the spirit is? It's people that get so set in their ways until they can't enjoy their spiritual life anymore unless everybody dots their I's and crosses their T's just right. And I believe you two are a couple of liberty. You have a word of liberty and a word of freedom to bring to people that says, hey, we, we've got a task. Let, let's major on the majors. Let's love Jesus. And we don't all have to believe alike and act alike and everything else, but we got a job to accomplish and get them set free from some of that arthritis of the Spirit, and you're just the couple to do it. I believe that with all my heart. Here, here, here's the passage. That's, that's free. Here's the passage. Now Jesus, now Jesus, comma, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Here's the point that I want to make. The choices of God. Fishermen. You remember one time in the book of Acts? They, they, they realized that these men were Galileans. But they recognized that they had been with whom? Do you know that was a derogatory statement? They recognized that they were Galileans, or they knew they were Galileans, but they recognized that they were doing what they were doing because they had been with Jesus. That's a put-down. You're from Galilee. Not only from Galilee, they were fishermen. And when you begin to look in the Scripture, and in that day, what, what, what was thought of fishermen, you can think of some occupation today that people think very little of. And that's exactly what they thought of fishermen in that day. I know we've thought of different things like I've heard, and, and I don't know that any of these are true, but I've, I've heard stories about truck drivers stories of car salesmen, used car salesmen, 
You've heard those stories before. I don't even know if they're true or not, but we hear about them. And sometimes they talk about them with disdain. Garbage collectors. And they talk about it with disdain. That when they mentioned fishermen, they talked about it with disdain. Can you believe that the occupation... I mean, these guys were coarse. You understand, in that day, the fishermen were... They were the ones that used the bad language. They were the ones who were dirty. They were the ones who who smelled. Uh, they were the ones... That, well, you, you, you get the picture. They were coarse. Can you imagine... Jesus taking the most important message in all of history, in all of the universe, and leaving it in the hands of fishermen? Surely you would take it to the theologians, the seminaries. They had seminaries in that day. Surely you would take it to the political rulers of the world. Surely you could take it to the academia. Surely they could leave, could have left it with the military power. Someone that could have done something about his message. Someone that could have been influential with his message. But in an obs- at an obscure lake. Have you ever seen the Lake of Galilee in person? I mean, you know... If he was about eight foot tall, you could spit across it. And it had good wind. It, you, the Sea of Galilee is a lake. You can see the other side of it. You can stand at one end and see the other end in the distance. It really shocks you how big that little lake is. An obscure lake. Galileans who were uneducated and fishermen who were uncouth and he takes the greatest message ever heard in the history of the world and ever presented the gospel of the good news and he puts it in their hands and says adios can you believe that the choices of God hmm you ever wondered why God makes some, makes some of the choices He makes? You ever thought about the person next to you? Why did God choose them? Do you know God doesn't make choices like we make choices? This is something you, we've got to understand. He just doesn't. Think about it a moment. He wants to deliver His people from Egypt, so He chooses... Moses, who stammers as his spokesman. What? Surely he could take someone who could speak eloquently and didn't stutter when he talked. But he chose the stutterer, Moses. Isn't that weird? Oh, he wants to take someone and make a way for his people in, in a season when drought is going to come. So he takes a bragger named Joseph. He's a bragger. He is. He just stands, stands in front of his brothers and mothers and all of them and says, Hey, one of these days you're going to bow down to me. And just brags up a storm. And, and God ta- uses him to prepare a place for his people in the midst of famine. 
Abraham. He calls, the fa he calls Abraham the father of faith. Do you know that Abraham was a liar? Why in the world would he do that? And when he gets ready, and I could, I could keep going, but let me just skip over some. Look at Jonah. Who in the world was Jonah going to? He was, he was going to an obstinate, rebellious city named Nineveh. Well, who in the world did he send to a rebellious, obstinate city? A rebellious, obstinate man. He takes the guy that can't even say okay to the Lord and puts him in the belly of a whale. I one time was preaching on him and called him the whale. said he was in a whale of a belly. <laughs> And he, and he takes this rebellious man and sends him to Nineveh, and Nineveh repents. Can you believe that? And he takes Peter, who's just as wish-washy as jello, unstable as he can be, and turns around and makes him the pillar of the church. Hey, he takes a lineage that has uh, prostitutes, and murderers and brings Jesus up through that lineage. <laughs> would you do it that way? No, I would have probably chosen the most royal lineage in all the history of the world. But Jesus took a lineage like, God took a lineage like that. You see, we don't understand the choices of God because we don't make choices like that. <laughs> you, you remember, you've studied Bach. Do you know that Bach's first teacher told him that he would never be able <laughs> to read music. Tone deaf. Caruso said, you'll never carry a tune all of your life. You might as well not try to take any more lessons. Einstein. Do you know that he was four years old before he said a word and was seven before he read? Einstein. Do you know that Walt Disney was fired from being an editor in a Los Angeles newspaper because he wasn't creative enough? Do, do you understand? These are men's choices, and men don't choose the way God chooses. And when God chooses, He chooses in ways we don't even understand. Do, do you realize that when He chose these fishermen, you're thinking, why in the world did He choose them to entrust this, this powerful message? Because God doesn't choose the way we did. Why would he choose saints? I, I understand that last night something was said about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and saints. The work of the, the, huh? Is that right? Why does he choose saints to do the work of the ministry? See, we've got to destroy these distinctions as far as, as, as seeing the work of the ministry done. Every one of us are to do the work of the ministry. You are qualified. God made a choice. He called you. You're a fisherman. You are a fisherman. You're not incapable. There is nothing wrong with you. You are a new creation. You're a new species. God has given you the spirit of power. He's given you the spirit of might. He's chosen you. You are precious in His sight. What are we going to do about it? 
We're going to reach out and we're going to begin to, to talk to people and, and I mean drag them in. Just say, what can I do? You're a fisher of men. What do you do when you fish for fish? You put a hook out there and you pull the fish in, sometimes against its own willpower most of the time. What do you do when you fish for men and women? You reach out there, grab them by the arm and say, we're going to a cell meeting tonight, to a home group. Say, yeah, but I, I can't do anything. I don't know how to pray for the sick. I don't know how to pray for people. I'm scared to. I'm, I'm afraid to. I don't know the Bible very well. I don't need that. I don't need that. Hey, forget it. You love people. You tell them, you be dressed. I'm coming by. I'm picking you up. I'm taking you to a cell meeting. We're going to a small group meeting. We're going to a home. I won't keep you there but an hour and a half. I'll have you back to the house in two hours by the time it's all said and done. I'll have you back to the house in two hours. That's two hours out of your life. It's, it, you're not going to miss that two hours. But if you do miss it, it's going to mean everything in your life. You come and you go with me. We're going to that place. Let me tell you something. You begin to see that person change. You see them begin to weep. You see, you see them with needs that begin to come out. In, in the meeting, the next thing you know, other people are praying for him. You're praying for him. Your boldness increases. Your confidence increases. And the next thing you know, you're reaching out, pulling everyone into small groups. And you're saying, what, what can I do? God has called you to be a fisher of men. And if you don't do anything else, let's don't think about prophesying right now and all of these other things. Let's think about one thing. Be a fisher of man. And if you'll be a fisher of man, if we'll do what Jesus called us to do, the gifts will follow. What in the world is prophecy going to mean? What's tongues going to mean? What's all this other stuff that we think about going to mean? Sometimes we're so turned into ourselves. What's God going to do for me? How am I going to get myself together? And all that other stuff. If we'll quit thinking about ourselves and what God is wanting to do with us and make out of us and everything else, if we'll simply reach out to people who don't know the Lord, who are hurting who are unchurched, who don't have a, a, a spiritual family, reach out to them and, and insist, put a hook in their jaw, insist that you're going to pick them up, bring them to a small group, take them into the home, and, and watch what God does in their heart. Listen, I've watched for three years, I've watched people who've done nothing in church all of a sudden invite a friend a co-worker or someone to a small group meeting and see that person change and that church member gets turned on. They're alive today like I've never seen them before. And now then, they're not satisfied with going to a small group now. They want to be a cell leader. And they're not satisfied being a cell leader. They want to be a section leader and they'd like to be a full-time zone pastor. And that's where they're headed because they, one day they reached out to someone and said, you're going to go to cell meeting with me tonight tell you the story and I'm, I'm through. That everyone, see, everyone can do this. Everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. Everyone. Listen to me. Everyone. God chose you to be a fisherman. He didn't say you had to be qualified. Just available. You say, I can't do it. Well, good. You're just in a position for God to do it through you then. If you think you can do it, you've got wrong thinking. I remember when I went in the army, you know, they they were looking for people who I thought they were looking for people who thought they were qualified. 
I told them everything that I thought I was qualified to do. They didn't put me in any one of those things. They put me in stuff I wasn't qualified to do because they didn't want to have to retrain me. They didn't want me doing something like I, like I thought it ought to be done, so they just put me in somewhere that I didn't know how to do it so they could teach me how to do it. How, let, let me just, just, just this thing. Listen. Paul was trained as a Pharisee. Is that right? What Wasn't he? Who did God send him to? Who? And Peter was an unlearned fisherman. And who did God send him to? The Jews. The Pharisees. Is that right? Would you have done that that way? No, no. You say, well, I don't feel qualified. Well, good, good. You are good bait. Tell you this story. I'm through. This is this is all. I was at a cell meeting one night. Our lesson was on being a godly son. It could have been a godly daughter. That I was with some men that night. We were talking about honoring our father and our mothers, that we might have a long life. That's first commandment with promise that we might have a long life and that's usually as far as we get that we might live long on the earth but that's not all of the verse the rest of the verse is and that it might go well with you and the lesson was if things are not going well with you it might be that you didn't honor your father and your mother just as everything looks like it's about to succeed and it just casts its fruit and doesn't come through, falls apart, and it seems like nothing goes right with you, you might look back and say, did I honor my father and my mother? And we talked about honoring our fathers. We had a visitor there that night. He was lost. We knew it, but this was the lesson for the cell. We had the lesson. We prayed over people, people repenting, all of this, and we prayed over them, and then we were about to have our closing prayer and this fellow spoke up. I was there. I saw it. I witnessed it. He said, I've got to say something before we close tonight. First thing he said all night long. All of a sudden, here he is bold. He said, I didn't know what to think when so-and-so, he called the name of the fellow, invited me to come to the cell meeting tonight. I didn't know what to think. I didn't want to come, but he just insisted. I just thought I'd do him a favor and come. He said, I didn't know what to expect. But I sure didn't expect this. And then he just started crying. <laughs> and he was a big old guy. I mean, big guy. And he just started crying. He said, I didn't know what to expect, but I sure didn't expect this. And he just wept. He wept. And, and, and then he said, I hate my daddy. I'd like to kill him. And now I know that it's not right. Will y'all help me? And the old boy repented from hating his dad, forgave his dad, and received Christ as his personal Savior. And that old boy that brought him to that cell meeting that night walked out of there about 20 feet tall. You know what I'm saying? The choices of God. God's chosen you to be a fisher of men. God bless you. Love you. Thank you for being here, Pastor.
mountain, the river flows, and it brings refreshing wherever it goes. Through the valleys and over the field, the river is rushing and the river is here. The river of God sends our feet a dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. The river of life is teeming with life, and those who touch it can be revived. We'll come back thirsty for more of the Lord, because the river of God fills our mouths with laughter. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. We rejoice, for the river is here. Hallelujah! Up to the mountains we love to go To find the presence of the Lord Along the banks of the river we run We dance with laughter giving praise to the sun The river of God fills our mountains with dancing The river of God fills our hearts with cheer The river of God fills our mouths with laughter And we rejoice cause the river is here Down the mountain the river flows And it brings refreshing wherever it goes Through the valleys and over the fields The river is rushing and the river is here Yeah, the river of God sets our feet a-dancing The river of God fills our hearts with cheer The river of God fills our mouths with laughter And we rejoice for the river the river of God, the river of God sets our feet and dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness. Is what you want from me. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness. It's what you want from me. So take my heart. Take my heart for me. And take my mind. Transform me. Take my will. Conform me. To yours, to yours, oh Lord. Righteousness, righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. 
righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. So take my heart. So take my heart. Take my mind. Transform it. Take my what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Yes, Lord. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. So take my heart. Take my in our heart that conforms our minds and our desires to yours. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We will kneel before the maker of 
your glory. Show us your glory, oh Lord. Let your goodness pass before us, right before our eyes. And we will worship, and we will bow down. We will call you Lord, and we will kneel before the Maker of the universe, and we will call, we will call you Lord, and we will worship, and we will worship, and we will bow down. And we will call you Lord. And we will kneel before the maker of the universe. And we will call you Lord. Worship his name. Yeah. 
Shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. 